Are you one of the thousands of people who have added to their family through adoption? How do you sort out all of the resources, unravel the myths, and get started? Welcome to Adoption Unscripted with Micah Johnson. On our show, we introduce you to the families, the adoptees, and the experts who can answer any questions you may have to make this the wonderful experience that it truly is. Now, here is your host, Micah Johnson. Welcome back to Adoption Unscripted Radio. I am Micah, your host. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I think I told y'all last week that I was suffering from a bit of a cold. So now we've gone from scratchy throat and runny nose to the coughing phase. So I am going to try really hard not to cough in the microphone. I will try to mute that um, if a coughing fit comes on. But I need to warn you, I've had several of those right before I went on air, so um, just a heads up. So today's show, we are going to jump right in. We are revisiting the topic of trauma. Now, we're doing this um, because we've had our guest, I had a wonderful guest, Abigail from Hurting Chickens, the blog. She came on a couple of weeks ago, and she gave us the perspective of a trauma mama, a mom or a parent that has adopted or is fostering children who have experienced some type of trauma. So she gave us the parent's perspective, and now today we are going to get a clinical or therapeutic perspective. And we have an awesome, awesome guest with us today. My guest is Sean Delahunt. He is the program director for the Prince George's County Center for Adoption Support and Education. I think it's the Prince George's County location. And it's called CASE for short, C-A-S-E. And um, CASE has a number of adoption competent therapists. And Sean is going to help us to understand how What's this? What's the distinction between adoption competent therapist and just a, I guess, a regular therapist? And he's also going to give us his clinical perspective and give us some ways that we can help our children if we find that they are suffering from trauma. So, Sean, are you with me? I am with you. Awesome, awesome. Welcome to Adoption Unscripted. I am so thrilled that you are here. We've been trying to coordinate this for forever, and I'm going to take yes. one. Hundred. I'm taking 100% of the blame. It is certainly not okay. you. It is always, always me. But well, there was a monsoon in there, so I, I think maybe 99% of the, the okay. blame goes to you. And, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll give that act of God 1%. But thank you yes. so very much for taking the time out of what I can imagine is an extremely busy schedule. Um, I can only imagine that you're probably always busy. So thanks th- for taking the time out and chatting yeah. with me today. So, Oh, thanks for inviting me, Mike. I appreciate oh, that. You are so, so very welcome. So could you start off by telling us a little bit about CASE and what it is that y'all do there? Sure. So CASE is Center for Adoption Support and Education. And we are a small nonprofit here in the Washington, D.C. metro area. We've got three big offices here, three main offices, I should say. And the office I'm in here in Prince George's County, it's in Riverdale Park, Maryland. It's right near College Park. Some of you may may know that is the the home of University of Maryland. Yes. Uh, Yes, and we we deal exclusively, we work exclusively with adoptive families and pre-adoptive families. And, um, yes, we're very busy. It's, uh, it's an unusual place that we work in here and that we are just so focused on adoption 
and uh, I was listening to you considering, um, you know, what it is to be adoption competent, so that's kind of a good place to start, too. Uh, we are highly trained and practiced in working uh, with uh, adoptive families and adoptive children, and uh, a lot of you out there, if uh, you are an adoptive family, you may know that when you go to a counselor, um, just about most of the people you work with, they're, they're not adoption competent, and we do know that there's a need for this. So we've actually created a, a training program. Uh, perhaps I could tell you a little about that at some point, but it's, uh, it's a national training program now that we have. It's called TAC, Training for Adoption Competency. So not only are we counselors here, we're also trainers and supervisors. Uh, we, we train uh, mental health professionals seeking certification as adoption competent therapists. So um, I, you know, the, the, how I found out about you is I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about the importance of finding a therapist that that has some type of um, understanding or has dealt with adoption in some way, because I think that a, a, a one size fits all approach just doesn't really work here, does it? That's right. Yes. Right. Right. And yeah. and there's so many nuances um, to working with family. So so at case you do a family centric or a whole family approach. So do you work with the the adoptees and their parents both? Definitely. Yes, it's we're very much family therapists, child and family therapists. Um, I'm always I'm still surprised when I hear parents come in and they'll they're confused when I say, well, you know, you don't need to be in the waiting room. Come on in, you know, join join in the session. And sometimes mm-hmm. they'll say, well, you know, we've been going for, for counseling for years and we don't often get invited in. And right. that's a concern because when you're dealing with adoption, when you're dealing with family concerns, it's a family issue. It's not just the child, it's everyone. Right. As a whole, it's it's a well. If you know what, I think that one of the reasons why we're having this discussion today is that you soon realize it becomes an entire family issue, because it Definitely. permeates all different areas of the family. And you and I have talked about that before. How? Because um, one of the things I want to talk about today with you is how it can affect the entire family. But before we get into that, can you start off by defining trauma for us? What does trauma mean from this perspective? Sure. So. Trauma is a physiological response to events or situations that overwhelm our ability to cope, um, and there are lasting after effects of the events uh, which interfere with daily life and our ability to function and interact with others. And um, I've talked about this before on this show, um, even most recently, I think, on the last show, but... um, children can experience trauma from adoption even when they're adopted adopted as infants. Is that correct? Yes, it is correct. And what's interesting, sometimes I'll be um, sharing this with uh, adoptive parents and I'll I'll raise the topic of trauma and they'll respond kind of like, as you said, it's like, well, they may say things like, I don't think my child has a trauma history because we adopted them at birth and we know their history. They were never physically abused or sexually abused. Um, so they're confused as to why their child may be showing some trauma signs, but there's, mm-hmm. there's a perfectly good reason for that. 
And it's actually, even though I'm a counselor in this field, and I've been in the field for, um, I've been counseling for 30 years, and specifically with Case for about 12, I still, it's just, it's an amazing process that happens. So I, I'm not, I can't be too surprised when parents right. are confused. It's just, it's an unusual thing that happens. So you may have heard, there's a book called The Primal Wound, and this is a book written by Nancy Newton Verrier. And in the book, she describes the trauma of being separated from voices, rhythms, smells, you know, just separating from the womb, separating from the birth family. And that happens for many of our Mm -hmm. adoptees. It happens at birth. Right. Right. Now, so for you, and, and how does that sound to you? Well, it to me, um, it makes sense to me because of so many folks that I work with experience it and um, they're surprised by it. But I, it sounds like it makes sense to me because I was pregnant with my daughter and I remember when she was born and we... Um, we had I used to listen to the same song all the time, all the time when she was when she was in utero, the same song all the time, all the time. And I played the song for her right after she was born and she reacted to that. And I thought, I wonder if, you know, yeah. I, I wonder if she heard that when she was, you know, yeah. in the womb and, and it seemed to soothe her. So I yeah. can imagine that if you are carrying a child and um, and you know you you do certain things and you your heartbeat and your rhythm and and your the the voice of your of your mom and then you are born and you're out here among you know now you're in in this world these elements and those things are no longer there. It makes perfectly good sense that it would affect it you. It does. Yes. Yes. So and I think the reason why we have trouble believing this or accepting this. This goes beyond cognitive awareness. This is an experience that I think is stored deep, like within our bodies, within our cells. And for a child to be separated from those memories and those experiences, it does create a a trauma. And it's profound. I think it goes beyond what a lot of us could really understand. And certainly the, the babies and the children as they're growing up they're really they're unable to articulate that experience, mm-hmm. and, but what we do see is the resulting behaviors and the emotions that they have. Right. Do you think that um, one of the reasons why? And I'm just speculating now, but do you think that one of the reasons why, or could it be that one of the reasons why folks who are adopting babies as infants don't want to um, believe that they're babies could be experiencing trauma is because they don't, they want to think that now that they have them, that their lives and the experiences start the day that they're given their child, that nothing that happened before (laughs) should be a problem because now we're, you know, you're with us and we love you and we're a family and we're going to make it all better. And the idea that there was no control over that the parent, the new parents have no control over what happened before the baby was placed with them. And I think just not having that control may be a reason why you just don't want to accept that, that they could, there could still be some lasting after effects. Sure. I think as parents, we are, we are so focused on being protective and making sure that our child is, you know, grows as healthily as possible and that they have, you know, the best of everything as from the moment we um, welcome them into our lives. But, 
what we do know is that from the moment of conception, and some people even believe beyond that, before that, um, this being is uh, being created and is being influenced. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's the nine months before birth, and it's a very, it's an incredibly active time of neurological development. And uh, what we do know is that there are memories being stored, and there are um, experiences, there's physical growth, um, there's a lot of, uh, and it's hard for us to like pin a lot of this down in scientific uh, terminology, but um, there, there is the belief that even in those nine months, like you're saying, yes, it, you're the ch- the the um, the fetus is absorbing experiences. It's hearing mm-hmm. sounds. It's uh, the sensations, the rhythm of heartbeat, and it's it's very much a synchronized um, growing growing moment for baby and and mother. Right. So um, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, can you give us a little bit um, of information about how trauma can affect the brain of a child who, let's say, after they're born and they experience trauma, how that affects their brain and if it changes their brain in some way? Because yeah. I've, I've read some studies that said that, that that actually does happen. And I'd like you to give us a little bit more information on that, if you could. I sure can, Yes. All right, fantastic. Okay, guys, so if you want to hang on with us, we'll be right back with Sean Delahunt, and we're going to talk more about trauma and how it affects the brain and what we can do as folks who love these children and help them to be as healthy and as safe as they can be. So we'll see you on the other side. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private, personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for you with Arvind Vora, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America.
You are tuned in to Adoption Unscripted with Micah Johnson. If you'd like to reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to hello at adoptionunscripted.com. Now back to the program. Okay, so we are back. This is Adoption Unscripted Radio. I'm Micah, your host, and today we are talking, we're doing a deep dive into trauma from the therapeutic and from the clinical perspective. We have an awesome guest here today, Sean Delahant from Case, and he is going to now talk to us about how trauma affects the brain and what happens to children, children's brains when they experience trauma at a young age. So give us a little bit more about that, because I'm really interested in that. Sure. Oh, yeah. Um, the, understanding trauma, it's probably one of the most, if you had to choose a single topic, um, if you were going to, like, wanting to become a, an informed parent of uh, adoptive children, this is, like, one of the top ones. If you could really get the, uh, an understanding of trauma and how this affects brain development, it's one of the key, th- uh, key points of understanding. I don't, so, I don't. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I am yeah. so glad that you said that because I, 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 I just believe that to be 100% true. And I feel like no matter if you adopt internationally or you adopt domestically or you adopt from foster care, there's a concentric circle where all, and I, I say this all the time, I'm a broken record, there's a concentric circle where, where all of these experiences come in, and they share something. And I think one of the biggest things that they share, no matter how old your child is, no matter what race your child is, no matter the, the, the journey or the path that you took to adopt your child, trauma affects all, well, I don't want to say all, but most adopted, adopted children. And I just think that if we were to just grasp that and then educate ourselves as much as we can, that's the best thing that we can do for our children. Now, I'm going to zip it up. Yeah, it's a good place to start, definitely. Yeah, and I'll I'll describe a little why this is so important, as you're saying. Um, So trauma, and we're talking, you know, right now we're talking about emotional, psychological trauma. Certainly there's physical trauma which is, you know, more of a, a, like a, by a physical accident or perhaps by, um, by physical abuse. But we're talking about more of the emotional, psychological trauma that um, adoptees go through. And it affects the neurological development of the, the baby, the infant, and um, it affects physically the formation of the entire nervous system. And of course, when we talk about the nervous system, we're really keyed in on the brain. So what research is showing us is that trauma physically affects the structure and the chemical activity of the brain. And as a result, we see shifts in emotional and behavioral functioning of the child. And that is evident in the way the child is able to interact with the world, and of, uh, and as you probably might guess, the, the subject of socialization and bonding and attachment is very key in the work that we do here. So when we work with um, the children that we do work with and trauma is, at, like we're discussing now, it's so universal it, it mm-hmm. factors into it factors into the the key concerns for adoptive families, and certainly uh, attachment is a big one. 
So, um, would you? Or so, am, am I hearing you say? And correct me if I'm if I'm wrong. But am I hearing you say that when we and we just talked about this in last week's show? But when parents are are saying that their children are having a difficulty attaching um, or or making these bonds, creating these bonds, is that a, is that a direct response to the children experiencing trauma for the most part and not and and having an effect on how they attach? Yes. Yes. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. And it's not, so, you know, there are there are a variety of reasons why attachment concerns come up in families, but certainly um, emotional trauma, psychological trauma, um, that does affect attachment concerns. Okay, so um, is there... Is there, does the amount of time that a child experiences this trauma, is that, does that create, create? because uh, it's sounding like PTSD to me a little bit. Yeah. It, that, that's sure. what it sounds like. So is it, is it, right. is it, so if folks, if we compared it to PTSD, something that folks have more of an understanding of, would, would that be a fair comparison? It's, it's a good discussion. So PTSD is post-traumatic stress disorder. And it's kind of a, just like if you can break that down, it's like, um, so yes, uh, trauma after the fact, what happens to people. And it's, it's about ongoing depression and anxiety and fear. And what happens is our brain kind of gets stuck. It gets stuck in this protective mode. Now, initially when a trauma, when something traumatic happens, our bodies respond in an automatic way to protect ourselves. And it often has to do with how to avoid a danger. And if a person is the source of the danger, then the protective mode, the way the brain protects us, is to say, well, we need to avoid the person. And that's kind of the simplest way of avoiding that danger from continuing. The problem with PTSD and with trauma mm-hmm. is that the protective mode of the brain does not turn off. It just goes on and it could go on endlessly. It could go on not only through the childhood years, it could go right on through the teen years and the adult years. So what you have is a very anxious person, someone who's fearful of getting close to people um, and like I said, initially it was a good protective thing to happen, but now it's just it's it's kind of like a broken record. It just it's an uh, it's an endless uh, now ineffective coping mechanism. It actually becomes a very damaging uh, mechanism. Right. So when we have parents and they have adopted these children and they bring. Um, these children into their homes and they start to see some behaviors. Um, I think the one of the first things that we see is that there is this huge, I don't know if it's a shattering of this idea of what yeah. it was going to be like. And so they, right. they start to doubt themselves as, you know, are they ineffective as parents? They have to kind of uh, mourn the ideal child and that ideal family that they thought they were going to have. How does this affect um, the parents and the other children in the home? Let's say if you if you um, have adopted or children, but you have other children in the home, how does it affect those children seeing this seeing these kinds of behaviors? So there's something called vicarious trauma, 
and it's a phenomenon where people who are close to a trauma survivor, and we're talking about our children, if you are a parent of the child, a sibling, even if you are a professional, if you're a counselor, if you're a social worker, vicarious trauma means that the, the definition is it's our sympathetic emotional response to hearing the trauma stories and becoming witness to the pain or the fear or the terror of the trauma survivor. Um, and then we become traumatized ourselves to, uh, to somewhat, uh, it's, there's like a parallel process going on in that we kind of take on some of the, the behaviors and the feelings that the trauma survivor has um, right. in our homes. And like I said, it, it, so it's system-wide. It's, it happens in the family system, but it also happens in the caretaker system. It comes in, like, with, uh, like I was saying, it happens to counselors um, and even, and I'm sure you folks have noticed this, if you've adopted through social service agencies, they are very much kind of stuck. They, they're having troubles uh, with their own sense of, mm-hmm. um, you know, disorganization or fears or maybe reactive behaviors and emotions. Um, so these things are beginning to be addressed. Um, but yes, these are, and like you were, your original question is, how about the siblings of these adoptees? So yes, the whole family is affected. It's not just the parents, it's the, the siblings and uh, just about everyone that has um, serious contact with uh, these children. With the child. So that yeah. is why y'all at Case take that whole family approach. Because Definitely, what I'm yeah. hearing is is that, and, and I can only imagine that it would um, affect the entire family. And, you, and, and, you know, sometimes we, the, the, when we have children that have, have experienced horrible things, and, and you see this a lot from children who sometimes come from orphanages or from certain foster care homes or experiences, that yeah. is scary. That would be scary for me to hear. For you and, as and the adoptive parent. At me as the adoptive parent, that would be scary yes. for me to hear. I I can imagine it would be scary for my child. I have a daughter if, if I adopted and that was our situation. So is this something that you recommend that 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 parents who have adopted that that at some point they seek some type of family therapy to to some degree, um, just just oh, yeah. as a proactive measure, perhaps. So, yeah, proactive is the best. Like, um, sometimes parents will ask, when's the best time to seek counseling? It's yesterday. It's before the adoption happens. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're kind of, you, you kind of set a foundation for safety and knowledge within your family. Uh, because this is, it, it tends to be overwhelming. I mean, I, I know our, the audience right now is listening to this, and they know what this is. They've, they've felt like, they, you know, we go into adoption thinking, well, you know, if I, I will just love this child and love this will bring love them, them through. Mm-hmm. What was that again? Love, love's going to fix everything. I'm just going to love yes. them and love on them so hard and I'm just going to heal yes, yes. all the wounds. And, and God knows if that were the way to do it, that would be awesome. But unfortunately, well, that's, it's, it's not the way. Yeah, it is. Yeah, there's far more than just love that's needed here. It's an understanding of what trauma is and how it affects the bonding experience and how it affects the whole family. Right. So, yeah, so, so get, to get back to your original question, when do you seek help? 
as soon as possible. If you're considering adoption, like the, the education that we're describing, uh, the understanding of, of trauma, and certainly of other aspects of adoption, whatever you could get, it, it will just create more of a, a strong foundation for what you're about to start. We're about to want to start. So yeah. we're going to take a break now, and then when we come back, can we dive into, I like to leave, give folks with some tangible strategies and some solutions that they can that they can do if they see some things happening in their home with their child before they're able to, to I guess, take them and seek some therapy. What are some things that we should look for and what are some things that we can do as parents who are who are raising children who've experienced trauma? Um, can you help us out with that so we can know sure. we can be as prepared yeah, yeah, as possible? Yeah, that sounds good, Micah. Fantastic. Okay, so we're going to take a break and we'll be right back. You guys stay here. We'll see you on the other side. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned in to Adoption Unscripted with Micah Johnson. If you'd like to reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to hello at adoptionunscripted.com. Now back to the program. Okay, so we are back. This is Micah Johnson listening to Adoption Unscripted Radio. We're talking with Sean Delafont from the Case Center in um, Maryland. And just off the air, he and I were talking about trauma, and I was saying to him, you know, it's really, really scary. Uh, it sounds scary to me. And if I were a parent, adopted or not, adopted child or not, and I was hearing these things, I would feel really afraid. And but I don't think there's anything that we that we should fear. We should fear the unknown and we should know that if we are proactive and we do something that we can lead to better days ahead and that sticking our head in the sand and trying to deny what's going on. Nothing good can come from that. And so I hope that that if you're listening out there and you're experiencing some of these things that you're feeling better and you're feeling that you're not alone and that others are suffering from this. But there is hope out there. So let's talk about 
let's give folks some hope. What are some things that we should look for if we are a parent and we see some behaviors? What are behaviors we should look for? And then what are some things that we can do? Sure. Yeah, yeah. So I think it it comes back around to why why do we adopt? And it, we have to remind ourselves, especially in the heat of, you know, dealing with some of the the um, maybe the rough encounters we're having with our kids when they're being um, out of control, tantruming, angry, very sad. We have to remember that the children are just these beautiful, amazing, strong, resilient beings. I, we we lose track of this, especially well, and it's hard to when when somebody's coming at us in a very angry way, because. Um, our protective mode kicks in, and then we forget all those things. So I think above all is to remember that we're dealing with a, a wounded, beautiful child here. Yes, absolutely. Um, yes. So it's kind of like keep this fresh, keep this in front of us. I often, uh, you know, often in counseling, we, when we first meet families, some of them are just, they're at their wits end. The parents are just, they, they're confused, they're very hurt and afraid. And we have to go back all the way to the beginning, which is, well, what, what, why, did we, why did we consider adoption? Because all of that is still there. All those good reasons for doing this are still there. So always keep that fresh in your mind. So part of doing that is, if you're if you're writing these things down, here's one. It's do not take this personally, folks. This is not about you. This is not about you being a bad parent or a bad person. This is about, it's about trauma. It's about loss and grief and intense emotions and intense behaviors. It's hard not to take this personally, but you really have to listen to this part because if you do start taking this personally, you start to doubt yourself as a parent, and that's when you start to give up. It's important you don't give up. So I, I always appeal to patience and humor in the people I work with. So something interesting happens to our brains when we are upset. We lose the capacity for creative thinking. We lose the capacity for humor and patience. All that goes out the window. And this is a parallel process with, when dealing with tra- uh, traumatized people. We start to behave in a traumatized way. Mm-hmm. You've heard of fight, flight, and freeze? Is that yes. a... Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. You, okay. So there's this primitive part of all all of our brains, all humans, all animals have this part of our brain. We could call it reptilian brain or animal brain. When we are upset, when we are uncentered, when we feel like we're being attacked, that is where we go to. We go to this very defensive part of our, um, of our existence. The problem with that is we lose the ability to be rational and reasonable. So how often have we gotten into an argument or a fight with our kids and suddenly it's it's just like it's a brawl. It's no longer mm-hmm. a conversation. You have to end it there. You have to stop when you're in that mode because you are unable to think of creative solutions. So back to being patient and having humor. If you're able to, to keep those behaviors, if you're able to use humor, automatically you are no longer in that, that animal brain. 
you're in this creative part of our brain. So it's about taking care of yourself and understanding your limits as a parent. Mm-hmm. Right. If you are easily triggered, you've got to work on this yourself. So I think, you know, you're looking for solutions. One is prepare yourself. Be, um, take care of yourself. For some, a lot of the parents we work with, they, they come to terms with the fact that they, too, need their own private counseling. They have to look at their own family of origin issues. You know, why are they triggered by some of these things? Um, why does it hurt so much? Because a lot of us, we are also, we're going through our own loss and grief issues. Many of us have never addressed them. And then here we have a, a, a very young reminder living with us. Living with us every day. Time. I was just looking right. at, I was in a, I was in a Twitter conversation um, a couple of days ago with a woman who she and her partner adopted, I think it was two daughters from foster care. And there was, a, of course, there was some issues there and there was some trauma. And one of the, the daughters was physically aggressive. And they had, they were talking about how they had to do these restraining techniques. And they were just really, really upset about that. And one of the women said that while she was in the in the moment, while she was restraining her daughter, who I think was maybe 10, and the daughter was yelling and screaming things and trying to, you know, physically hurt her, she had flashbacks of her own childhood. Right. And she didn't know what the, where the emotions were coming from. Were, there, were right. they emotions that were hers? Were they emotions because this child that she loved and saw was so hurt and, and needed to feel safe and she wasn't able to do it. And she said it was just, she almost blacked out because right. it was so emotionally overwhelming. So I, I agree with that. We're all, we all have our own demons. We have things that we've not worked out that we may have had to seek trauma for, I mean, seek therapy for that we haven't. And our children, Sean, they bring up all kinds of things about us that we don't even expect. And, yeah. you know, I experience that all the time with my daughter. It just brings up things that maybe I didn't even know was a concern or things that I need to work on myself. So you're right. I think that when we are um, when we're in these in this moment, if we don't know how to deescalate our own feelings, then we can't do that for the child. But these triggers sometimes you, you don't even know what's going to trigger a behavior with your child. So you're kind of walking around on eggshells sometimes, not knowing right. what what you might say or do that might cause a really bad response. So there's a lot of stress there, I can imagine. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, you said that very well. It's like when my daughter was born, um, one of my dear friends, she's a, she's a, a doula, like a midwife. Um, mm-hmm. she, she's been in the, the, the process. She's had, get, helped give birth to many children, so she was very excited, and she said, uh, Sean, your teacher has arrived. And it was kind of like this mm-hmm. ominous feeling. I was like, okay. Oh, but yes, yeah, talk about life lessons. You know, your world changes, and um, bringing a child, even bring a teenager into your home, you're going to learn some lessons. In fact, we need to learn the lessons. Um, the lessons exactly. will continue to come up until we, until we learn them. And mm-hmm. the children are going to remind us. So, yes, if we have unresolved issues, you could bet they're all going to come back, every one of right. them. Right. And that's why I think it's so awesome that you have this full family approach. Now, do yeah. now you said at the beginning of, of our chat that the whole family comes in together. Are there times when you when you take either the, either the, the child separately or the parent separately, oh, yeah. or do you continue to do it? So you do. 
You do break yeah, it. Yeah, that's a good question. So, you know, and we're all, we're all clinicians here, and we all have our own styles. But, like, for instance, my style is I like to meet with the family all together first, whoever comes in. Um, and sometimes it's just one parent. It could even, you know, sometimes it's a single-parent family, but sometimes it's a two-parent family. Um, but due to scheduling restraints, you might just see one one week, another the next week. But if you could have as many people involved as possible, that's good. And it's also it comes down to your treatment goals too. Um, so yeah, I start off that way, like as a family session. I kind of get a good sense of where we are with our goals, and then it might be. And then one day maybe I'll work more, more for more of the session with the child, but other times I, I'll work more with the parent or the parents. And uh, I was telling one of my supervisees this recently, uh, my work has evolved in that as I progress in this work, I, I'm finding more need to work with parents. So I'm doing more parent time. I'm doing more individual time with mm-hmm. parents. I actually have some cases where I don't work with the child at all. They never come to the office. It's almost I was like, going to ask that. I was yeah, going to ask it's that. Exclusive. Mm-hmm. So, and I think you know, way back when, when I was starting, I never really anticipated that. But I see that you know, one of the best things we could do as parents is we become a, a vital source of healing for our children and families. And I like when I'm able to get a parent on board with this. So it's not like the parents are bringing their kids to be healed by the counselor. I want the parents to be informed and kind of like trained. I, I feel like a lot of what we do here is training for the parents. Um, and it's like, I want them to be the experts with their child. And I find it, it's like it pays big dividends because then they be, then they could become more of a, their own source of healing and growth. And it's not like they right. have to keep coming back to professionals and therapists. Um, so, yes, uh, being a, a healing parent is, is one of my primary goals, helping uh, families develop that. I sometimes think that the more the more I work with um, parents who have, and I don't know if you know this about me, but I work with um transracially adopted families. So we, I do most of my work with families who have adopted transracially and we work on the, you know, the unique, the unique issues that come up when you do something like that. But what, what the work I love doing the most is when folks come to me before they have decided to adopt transracially, because we get to some issues that they might not know they have until they're already in the thick of it. And we're able to kind of work out those things now. And what and, and so I think that this is something that more folks should do pre-adoptive stage where they come and they try to learn about trauma and learn for learn what they can expect, kind of look for the signs and look for ways that they can help their children so they have an idea of what they could be. Um, in for, but there's sometimes um, I think that that just goes back to not wanting to think that you're not going to hold hands with your adopted child and walk off into the sunset. Any any idea that there might be anything that's less than nirvana is really um, uncomfortable for folks. We're going to take our last break, and when we come back, I want you to tell us a little bit about um, how we can, I'm sure that you're going to have so many folks that, that now want to contact you in case and talk about maybe having a session or two so when we come back I want you to give us information about where we can contact you and um, how we can maybe set up some time for folks to call and get some information so that, does that sound good? 
Definitely, yeah. All right, fantastic. Okay, guys, hold on. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private, personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for You with Arvind Vora, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Variety. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned in to Adoption Unscripted with Micah Johnson. If you'd like to reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to hello at adoptionunscripted.com. Now back to the program. Okay, guys, so we are back. This is our last segment, and we want to leave folks with some strategies and some tools and on a positive note. So, Sean, can you help us with some ideas and some things that we can do, some behaviors and some ways that we can help our kids? Sure. Yes. And, you know, initially I was saying things like, you know, the, uh, the importance of patience and humor, um, self-care for parents and, and adults. Like, we need to take care of ourselves to be as strong and, and knowledgeable as possible and certainly to have a, a firm grasp on our own family of origin issues, like where we've come from, how that affects our parenting. Um, let's see, another good thing, and this is a tough one because we're, we're so, in the, we're very much in the early stages of getting this knowledge and training out into the U.S., but it is happening. Right now we have about a thousand, close to a thousand trained professionals that have been trained through Center for Adoption Support and Education, and so they're out there. And at the end, I'll give you the uh, our web address so you can find out if there are folks close to you. It's important awesome. to have, yeah, it's important to have people that are really adoption competent because, as as you all know, people don't get this. Like when you try to talk to friends or even family members about what you're experiencing, the only people that are really going to get this are other people that have adopted. Um, we hear so many stories of pe- like parents feeling judged and. Um, like blamed for some of the problems they're having, then that's not fair. 
the, the reality is this is a very complex type of parenting, and we are not born with this knowledge. It is something that needs to be learned. And so, you know, part of it is finding where do you get the learning. So uh, we'll give you some of that uh, direct information on how to get that. Um, Another uh, thing to consider is, like, consider different ways of solving problems. Um, A lot of uh, parents we work with will say, well, I don't understand because the skills I'm using in raising my adoptive child are the same skills I've, I use with my biological children, but they, don't, they just don't seem to work. And that, that's often true. It does need to be different. So there are mm-hmm. reasons why skills that work well with biological children don't work as well with adoptive children because it's, it's a different experience. So being open to solving problems in different ways. Um, knowing another thing to consider is that trauma takes a very long time to heal. This is not something that works in, you know, four sessions and we're done. This is like recovering from trauma. In fact, just developing through um, adoptive life, that is a lifelong process. It, 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 it changes over time. So it's, uh, it's important to be knowledgeable about what are the developmental stages in adoption and mm-hmm. uh, there's a really good book to consider. It's called Beneath the Mask, Understanding Adopted Teens. Um, this is, it really, it very well outlines what the developmental stages are for adoption and what to expect. Um, it's a book that was written for therapists, but I think a lot of parents are reading this book. Um, yeah, and... Uh, yeah, go ahead. I said I, I was going to say I, I really like the way that you said to the folks out there that we're not born with this knowledge. So what yeah. works with your biological children or even what works with one adopted child might not work the same way with another adopted child. Right. And it's yep. not that we're ineffective parents. It's just that we are not born with this knowledge and we're not therapists and we're not counselors we're we're parents and trying to do our best and the fact that we shouldn't know how to do this is comforting i I think that folks would find that comforting because we're it's not something that you should know but it's something that you can learn and i think that's where that's where the hope lies so um yeah and considering that we we hear a case, we've really determined that we do need to come up with something that's, you know, kind of a manualized way of learning mm-hmm. how to go through this, right from the beginning all right the way the through beginning. the different, right, so like the, um, the training for adoption competency, what we call TAC, uh, you'll find information on our website, which is adoptionsupport.org. Um, that is a training program, a post-master's curriculum that we've designed and it's like it's a classroom and a, a remote instruction experience. And there are 18 areas of knowledge and skills that you go through. In fact, one of the 18 is the topic of trauma. Fantastic. One is, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, so that is like, consider like if we had this discussion on each of those components. It's like the uh, part of uh, learning about adoption is understanding history. It's understanding the theory of the types of therapy work we do. It's considering the ethics of the work we do. So there's this really good training there. Um, hopefully, you folks out there, you could find adoption competent therapists where you are. 
Um, I know it's hard now, but we're working hard in, in getting that out there in our country. And um, there's another training initiative called the National Adoption Competency Training. Mm-hmm. And that is, that's more for training uh, social service systems. And um, that's more of an online experience. Like we have two different types of training. One is more in-person with TAC, and the other is more of a, a web-based training with NTI. And, again, you could find that at adoptionsupport.org. Um, if, um, contact. if folks yeah, want ahead. to – I'm sorry, I want to cut you off. I just want to make sure that we get – this so if folks want to call case and or email them and get more information about working with a therapist one on one, can we do that from the website? Yes. Uh, what I like about our website is uh, there's a menu where you uh, click on uh, meet our clinicians, something like that, and then it'll show each of us and it shows kind of our our background, uh, the types of work we focus on. Like I think mine. Um, it talks yeah, about very you know, nice my, picture, by the way. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Very nice picture. Uh, yeah, and it has. Um, you could click on it to get a direct contact with us. Like if you clicked on mine, you'd have my email address, uh, our phone number here. Um, but for you know, and certainly for folks that are too far away to come here directly to have visits with us, we have webinars. And what's great about this is we have um, some really good sponsors that have made it affordable, in fact, free, like our webinars, which we have every month. Uh, they're free to the first, like, two or 300 registrants. So, so there are opportunities just, for folks to be able to get some yes. help that they need. I know we're, we're almost out of time. Would you come back? Because we could go on with this for, uh, for another hour. And oh, I yeah. so <laughs> think that it's so important that we have this conversation. Thank you okay. so much, Sean, for taking your time oh, and welcome, talking Micah. with us. I really appreciate it. Will you oh, come back and we can continue this conversation? Absolutely, yes. Thank you, because I because we we've spent this last hour, but I think we haven't even scratched the surface. Okay, guys, so I hope that you have had um, that you've gotten something from this chat. I hope if you need more information, you will check out the case website. I'll have all this information on the show notes, so don't forget to check out um, adoptionunscripted.com, and you can get all the information and the resources that Sean mentioned. Sean, you have a good rest of the week, and you guys have a good rest of the week, and I will see you soon. Okay, take care. Thanks, Micah. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for Adoption Unscripted. We hope you'll tune in for another edition of the program with your host, Micah Johnson, next Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a terrific week. 